All right, welcome, welcome. Good to be here today. And uh, just Kathy's. It's Kathy Barker's 44th anniversary. <laughs> Wednesday, August the 17th. Oh, all right. I think that would be JB and Kathy's, all right? So. <laughs> Boy, you need a gold medal, I tell you, Kathy. I... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's right. You know I'll agree with that. Wilma needs one too, amen. Well, I missed you all so much last week, and uh, boy, what a great, great group today, and a good number, and there is something very special about this class. And the reason why is because from Martha to Dennis to me, uh, there's been a commitment to the Word of God. And uh, that is a very, very special thing. The love for Scripture. I miss you all so much. I did not miss the alarm clock though. <laughs> thing went off at 5.30 this morning. Oh, you know, uh, years ago they had these alarm clocks you would touch or hit and and you'd have the snooze for a while. Uh, man, I about beat mine to death. You know, kawam, kawam. Need that extra time. I do want to thank Jay Overbay. What a blessing. He is a gifted expositor of the Word. And uh, I told him, I said, Jay, go anywhere but First Peter. Yeah. So I, I think he kept his Word there and did not touch First Peter. He told me. He did. All right. Great. I told him. I warned him. I said, man, I'm going to get on a plane and come back if you get to 1 Peter. So, I appreciate you all being here. Today, 1 Peter chapter 1. And we'll look at verses 13 through 21. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 21. And I want to begin by, since we, we've had a, a week off here, I want to go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and just give you a little review. Chapter 1, verse 1, we start off Peter. And you know, back in that day and time, they would sign their name at the beginning and not at the end. The reason why, when you would unroll that scroll, you would immediately know who wrote the letter. And so as they would unroll the scroll, it would say, Peter. Now, remember the name Peter was not his given name. Peter was given to him by the Lord. His name was Simon. And Jesus said, from now on you will be Peter, Petros, the rock that I will build the church on. And so here is Peter. And he says, an apostle. Uh, one who is sent. Now, the word apostle is uh, an interesting word. It means uh, one on a mission. One sent. One that has a cause. And so here is Peter on the mission. Not just a minor mission, but a major mission because it's the mission of Jesus Christ. And so here is Peter on mission. 
And then we find that Peter writes to those who are scattered. Uh, verse 1 says, these are aliens. Now, they are not at home in this world. Uh, if you are at home here, uh, you won't be at home up there. And so these are aliens. And uh, the provinces are, are mentioned here. Uh, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And notice that Peter adds this wonderful thing. These are those who are chosen. Aren't you glad that God has the ability to choose? God in the beginning gave man a free will. God did that by His choice. God in Genesis 12 reached down and chose Abraham to be his friend and to build a nation out of that one man. God chose Jacob, not Esau. We don't understand that, but God has a way in doing the choosing. God reached down and chose a, a maiden girl named Mary to carry the Son of God. We don't understand God's choosing, but God has a right to choose. Well, then we find in verse number 2, they are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, sanctification by the Spirit, and then by the blood of Christ. Those three things are necessary for anyone to be saved. There's got to be in the foreknowledge of God. And then there's got to be the work of the Holy Spirit. No one can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws that one. And then there's got to be the applying, the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. And so the whole Trinity is involved in the process of redemption. Well, now we move down to verses 13 through 21. And I've given this a title. The title is Junk Food. How many here like junk food? I've got my hand up. In fact, I need to raise both hands. I, I like junk food. You can travel anywhere in the world and find a McDonald's, KFC, Taco Bell, Burger King. They're all out there. The only thing they change at McDonald's, they always have something unique about the area where you are. I, I, I find it interesting when you go to McDonald's in Brazil. They have those wonderful fried pies. But you know what's inside of them? Banana filling. Yeah, banana fried pie. I tried it. It's not too bad. Mexico, pineapple filling. Italy, strawberry. I went to a McDonald's in... Bangor, Maine uh, last week or week before last. I had a lobster roll, that's right. And the reason why is because I, I'm too cheap to buy lobster anywhere else. It's about $9 there at McDonald's, uh, a little lobster roll. 
whether it's McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, whatever, they all promise two major things. We'll get your food to you fast and the way you want it. Have it your way. I kind of like that part. Get your meal in record time. Get your meal with a thrill. And you can even supersize it if you want to. Bigger, greater, better. But we all know it costs, doesn't it? In fact, you put those french fries into your mouth, they taste so good, but they kind of gravitate down right here. In 1957, anybody remember 1957? All right. In 1957, a fast food hamburger was one ounce and was 210 calories. Today, a six ounce hamburger is 618 calories. In 1957, McDonald's burger, fries, and Coke, 590 calories. Today, a value meal, quarter pounder with cheese, supersize it, fries and drink. You ready? 1,550 calories. Woo! You know, they started advertising. Have you noticed that? Now when you go in that, you can look up there and see how many calories you're buying. Well, here's one result. Double the risk of heart failure in men and women. 50% rise in type 2 diabetes. Boy, we're paying the price for it. Now, junk food and fast food may be hard on us physically. But I'm here to say today that there is a spiritual junk food. And a spiritual junk food is the junk food that sometimes is peddled where it says you can be a child of God and there's no cost. That you can serve if you want to or decide that you don't want to serve. Uh, you can come to church when you feel like it, or you can just stay at home. It is a bargain, basement, cheap gospel that is foreign and alien to the Word of God. How can you and I not have a strong, demanding commitment when Jesus said to follow me, you've got to lay down your life, pick up your cross, and come after me? You talk to Steve Phillips when you join the choir and you tell him that you want to come when you want to. <laughs> tell me how that works out for you. <laughs> Don't, yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. You may be able to outrun him. <laughs> you may have to. Today we're finding more and more that there's not the thrill for a man to stand up, open the Word of God, and to declare the truth in God's Word. 
We live in a happy meal kind of Christianity. But aren't you glad that for 30 years, the man of God in this place has been faithful to the Word of God? That's Dr. Wendell Eastead. And what a, what a joy it is that we have a class here that has come today to hear a word from God. And so I want to share today really the difference between that junk food spiritually and the wholesome Word of God. Now, what Peter does here, he puts on the table for you and I things that we ought to desire to eat spiritually. He puts on the table broccoli, spinach, and Brussels sprouts. I, uh, I got an email from Joey Huggins. And uh, Joey said uh, their real crew was going to meet and, and uh, first week there in September and wanted to know if I wanted to come. And I saw in the email they were having ribs. And I said, yeah, baby boy, I'll come and have some ribs. And so I sent an email back and I said, Joey, I'd love to be there if you can handle an Oklahoma Sooner. I got an email back from him. He said, the menu's been changed to Brussels sprout casserole. <laughs> I said, man, that's mean. But I said, I'm all in, all in. <laughs> I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 3. 1 Peter 2, 3. Look over chapter 2, verse 3. Uh, now, now listen to Peter's word here. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. In chapter 2, you find that, that when you and I have tasted how good God is, when you have tasted how rich the Lord's grace is, when you have tasted how magnificent redemption is, then you ought to be willing to consume more and more and more. You know, sometimes something tastes so good, you say, boy, I wish I had two bellies. <laughs> I wish I could just eat more. Well, there are three things that we find here in verse 13 through 21. I've got to get to it. But um, one is hope, one is holiness, and one is humility. Peter sets the dinner table with those three things. And so let, let's just kind of look at these. Number one, first part of this diet, the hope of His coming. And that is in verses 13 and 14. Let's read that. 13 and 14. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Now the word therefore looks back to verses 1 through 12. Peter is saying, therefore, because of this wonderful redemption, according 
to the foreknowledge of God. Sanctification of the Spirit because of the blood of Christ that you've been sprinkled with. Therefore, we have the hope of His coming. And so, verse 13 says we need to discipline our minds. Discipline our life. Now, notice here in verse 13. It says that we are to prepare our minds for action. Therefore, prepare your minds. What does that mean? Well, it means that uh, we need to gird up our garments. It means that we need to strengthen our mind to focus on what God wants us to focus on. It means that we're to be ready when God summons us to a task. I want you to look at Proverbs 23.7. Proverbs 23.7. The Bible says in Proverbs 23.7, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. In other words, Peter is saying that we need to have a disciplined life and it begins with a mind. Moffat says, brace up your minds, then keep cool. Notice also here in verse 13 it says, keep sober in spirit. Keep sober in spirit. I, I was talking to someone one day and, and they said, well, I'm, I'm on medication, I, I want you to know, but I, I'm not drunk. I said, that's good to know. And they said, well, I, I may seem a little tipsy, but, but I'm sober in spirit. What does that mean? It means that we are not to be contaminated or polluted by the things of this world. Our mind and our heart is to be undefiled. Now, I'm, I'm not an expert on this, but... Uh, I've heard, <laughs> when you drink alcohol, I've heard <laughs> that uh, you lose composure of your senses. You become numb. Peter's saying, you're not to be numb to the things of God. Now stay with me on this and listen to me. We have been so calloused We've been invaded by so many things from the world that it has desensitized us to the holy and pure things of God. Amen. Ada, the reason why we need a tremendous college ministry is because they are bombarded by all kinds of things and it will desensitize them to the things of God. John MacArthur says, we are to be self-controlled, calm in spirit, one who knows and controls what he is doing. Man, I've heard a thousand times. <laughs> They'll say, oh, preacher, I, I just couldn't help it. I say, oh, nonsense. <laughs> I, I just flew off the handle. Nonsense. You and I are to have a controlled spirit. Well, also, verse 14 says we are to deny lust. Look at what he says. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. 
you and I have two lives. B.C. before Christ. Day C. after Christ. And there is a Rubicon type of bridge in between the two. Years ago, I had a friend of mine who was trying to decide whether to leave the ministry and to go into business. Had a lucrative contract. And the friend of mine said, I just don't know what to do. I, I need some wisdom. And I said, Mark, you're on a bridge. And I said, you need to decide what side of the bridge you're going to be on. And all of us have that bridge with the old life on one side and the new life on the other side. Every single day we need to decide which side of that bridge we're going to be on. Peter says we need to deny the former lust. Why? Because when Christ comes again, verse 13, the last part, this grace to be brought to us at the revelation, at the coming of the Lord. We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be ashamed. We want to be looking at our Lord in the eyes, not disappointed with our life. Alright, we've got to move on. Number two. Second part of this diet. Not only the hope of His coming, but number two. The holiness of His conduct. Now this is found in verses 15 and 16. Let's look at it. Verse 15. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, we are to be children of obedience. You see what Peter says? He says there in verse number 15, that we're to be holy because our Father in heaven is holy. Have you ever had your child say something and it scared you because it sounded so much like you? <laughs> I was driving down the road the other day and Pam and I had been up to see Kendra the Friday before we went on vacation. And I was driving down the road and I looked over at Pam and I said, You know, Pam, uh, Kendra sounded just like me a while ago. Pam said, have you just now figured that out? <laughs> she was contemplating doing something and she said, oh, it's just too much trouble. I'm going to forget about it. Man, I, I pop open a granola bar in the morning for breakfast because it's easy. It's just too much trouble to, to fix toast or whatever. You know, it's just too much trouble. Oh, you know... Children become like their parents. And God is saying, if I'm holy, you're to be like me. You're to be holy also. Now, we need to recognize that holiness is the very essence of God's character. This word holy is found four times in verses 15 and 16. Four times. That word holy means to be set apart as unique. Set apart as unique. When someone visits the church, sometimes we get a 
visitor's card or a prospect card. And the question that is usually asked is this, is that visitor a unique visitor? I didn't know what that meant when I first came here. I said, what, what's a unique visitor? Well, here's what it is. It means it is a red hot prospect. It means that they're just not here for a visit. They're looking for a church. It's a live hot prospect. It's one that you need to get a hold of and deal with and follow up on quickly. Now, Peter is saying the child of God is a red, hot, fiery child of God filled with the holiness of God. That's what it's saying. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13 says, Your eyes are too pure to approve evil. And you cannot look on wickedness with favor. Boy, you need to write down that verse. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13. God's eyes are too pure to look on evil. Well, we need to recognize that holiness is the expectation of God's children. Look at verse 16. Because it is written, and I've got that word written kind of circled in my Bible. You shall be holy for I am holy. God thought enough of it that He wrote it down. It's written, you shall be holy for I am holy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7 says, For God has not called us for the purpose of the impurity, but in sanctification. And so, holiness is to be a part of our spiritual diet. Got to move on. Third and last. Third and last. Remember, Peter's setting the table here. Hope of His coming. Holiness in our life. But number three, the humility of His character. Humility. You know, truth is, most of us have a higher opinion of ourselves than we really ought to have. Now, I, I mean that. Now, I'm all for self esteem. I'm all for you're okay, I'm okay. I mean, I, I hear that. But whatever happened to the old gospel? that said we are sinners before a holy God. We have missed the mark of perfection. And we need a Savior. I'm weary of people who are too proud of their accomplishments. I blush when someone wants to say something about me, I just say, boy, to God be the glory. We are to sojourn in fear and humility. Now, look at verse 17. If you address the Father as Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. You could even use the word humility instead of fear there in verse 17. 
There is to be a, a fear. There is to be a humility in our lives. He's also an incorruptible Redeemer. Look at verses 18 and 19. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Let me kind of take that verse apart real quick. Verse 18, knowing. We have a settled faith. Verse 18, the word redeemed, means to buy something back. God in Christ has bought us back. And then verse 19 is the great sin payment. Precious blood. Not any kind of blood. God's blood. The blood of His one and only begotten Son. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of that blood, there is no remission of sin. So, hope, holiness, humility. That is not junk food. That's solid meat from the Word of God. So I challenge you. As I heard Danny Aiken say in a commentary on this, such a response is required because of the greatness of the sacrifice. When you and I look at the precious blood of Christ, such a response is required because of the greatness of the sacrifice. Walk and wash away my sins. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Lord, it's been my joy, my thrill to share Your Word today. Lord, I could never be happy. I could never be content without opening up this precious book on Sunday. Thank You for the privilege of doing that today. And now, bless our pastor as he opens up the Word of God and as he has faithfully done for 30 years, does it again today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Love you all. Thank you.